This is CliffCentral.com. Please note that the views expressed and the advice provided in this show are for general advice and entertainment purposes only. Nothing stated should be treated as a substitute for your own independent legal advice based on your own specific facts and objectives. Therefore, the presenter and CliffCentral.com accept no liability of any nature whatsoever, either expressed or implied. Law. Like you've never heard it before. The Laws of Life with Gary Hertzberg on cliffcentral.com. I'm Gary Hertzberg and this is the Laws of Life on cliffcentral.com. Alongside me today, Lionel McCoco-Tlela. Welcome, Lions. Good afternoon, Gary, and good afternoon to our podcasters and our guest today, The Laws of Life, the show with a friend. Lines today we have in studio for 10 minutes only because she is so busy, this lady, we can get her for 10 minutes and that's it. It's the fabulous Kalyani Pele. She's a lawyer and the chief executive officer of the South African Banking Risk Information Center known as Sabric. Welcome again, Kalyani. Thank you, Lionel uh, and Gary. Cool. Oh, by the way, she looks fabulous. She does. <laughs> As always. We're going to take a, another pick of this orange, no, oh, this very oh, beautiful, beautiful orange dress. Yeah, you look yeah. stunning. Good. Talk to us once again, if you wouldn't mind, a few seconds on Sabric and the wonderful work that you do. Thanks, uh, Gary. Sabric is the South African Banking Risk Information Center. We are a nonprofit organization established by the major banks in South Africa to assist the South African banks fight organized crime. Uh, we have been around for 15 years and uh, work closely with uh, our public and private partners, particularly law enforcement in the country, representing the South African banks uh, and, of course, hoping to make a serious dent uh, in organized crime affecting the sector and, and bank customers. Yeah, it's all about awareness. If we know what these scams are, then we'll, we'll be more aware and we'll stay Absolutely. away from them if we can. One of the scams, and it's a serious one, is the changing bank details scam. Um, how does it actually happen? So what happened, Gary, is that uh, the, the criminals obviously get access to people's information, particularly uh, business um, uh, information of businesses and their customers. And they, they then, um, you, you know, communicate with them, send out, you know, either a letter, uh, email, make a phone call to them and advise them that the company that they're needing to pay has actually changed the bank, their bank account and that all future pay- payments needs to be made into the new account. Mm. And, uh, and of course, you know, very often, uh, people just respond. They see a letterhead that looks Exactly the letterhead of the company they've been uh, doing business with. Uh, they don't question it or they don't distrust it, and they go ahead and make payment into the new into this new account. And what happens is that that account is actually under the control of the criminal. And the minute the money goes in, the money leaves. And by the time the person realizes. Uh, that they've paid into the wrong account, and usually they get to know this when the the, origi- the person who they should have paid or the company they should have paid contacts them to say that they haven't received payment. Mm. And you know, sadly, the, the 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 victim is the bank customer who's actually made the payment into the wrong account. Um, and you, we, we alerting them to this modus operandi because we're saying, look, you know, you you need to be vigilant. And I think, uh, Gary, some of the things, if, if I could just point sure, out to, yeah. to bank customers, whether they businesses themselves, whether they individuals, 
For one, protect your personal information at all times. Business information also. You shouldn't be just giving it out willy-nilly to everybody, mm. um, especially things like bank account details. Um, then if you receive anybody, if you receive any communication in irrespective of what format it's in, telling you that the company has changed its bank account and that you now need to pay into the new account, you should immediately be suspicious. Contact the company yourself by making a call mm. and asking to speak to somebody that you actually know in that company. So again, very important to develop relationships with people that you're transacting with and doing business with so that you get to know particular people, right? So that's mm. one of the things. Also, <clears throat> what they do is that when they send out emails particularly – uh, if they need to copy letterheads and branding and that, it's easy to do. But when they send out an email, they use an email address that looks almost like the email address of the actual company. So let me give you an example. So if the email address of the company is a by ABC Stores um, at Gmail dot com, well maybe I shouldn't say Gmail because it's always com at mm -hmm. something dot co.za. Yes. They would change the co. Dot, the, the co.za to dot .com. Mm. And very often when we get emails, we don't really read those things. You know, we don't really read the address. We just mm. respond. So that's as an example. Also what they have been doing is that they may change one alphabet in the name of the company. They may add, add an S or something at the end of it or before it, which you don't actually pick up. So again, you know, look out for those kind of things. And, um, and, 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 and don't hesitate to pick up the phone and call before you actually. Funny, I, I got it the other day. Someone mm. sent me a letter saying our bank details have changed. And fortunately, I've listened to you before and I've read your, your material and I actually phoned them. Yes. And I confirmed that at the, that is so and it was. But it was, you know, at first blush, I was a bit concerned that yes. it may be a scam. Yeah. And there's yeah. so many of it. What I'd like to take up with you as well is that electronic payments, when we pay by EFT, mm -hmm. it's based on an account number. In other words, the recipient bank doesn't look at the name on, it, it, on it, the account. They just look at the number. Yes. Yeah. It, the number is what actually identifies the particular account, and it's an international trend. Yes. Uh, and, and certainly South Africa follows that practice as well. So, you know, if you put an incorrect uh, spelling in the name or whatever, it won't actually reject it so long as the account number is, is, is the one that you're wanting to pay with. So on that note, Gary, I think yeah. it's really important. Let's give an example on that yes. one, Kalyani. Yeah. So, 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 so say if we, if we, if the account is Kalyani Pele and then yes. you got the, the, and you got my bank account details. Yeah. But when you're spelling it, you don't say K-A-L, you put K-E-L. Yes. You know, I mean, just have one alphabet or you put, um, um, in the Pele, one alphabet different, uh, but the account number is, is, is my account number and you genuinely yeah. pay me, the money will come to me. Yes. But if you, if you now putting in the, the, an incorrect name for the company, so say if it was ABC stores that you were supposed to be paying and they put AE, uh, ABE stores, mm. but the account number is now this new account number. It's going to go into whichever account, into that particular account. And if yeah. it's not owned by that store, it's bad but luck. By, by you, yeah. Yeah. then it's going to go to you. 
You yeah. know, so that's why we're saying that the the uh, the responsibility is on the bank customer who's making the payment. You and I, if we're making any payment, yeah. we need to ma- be absolutely certain that the account details that we are paying into is mm. actually the correct one and that it is of the account owner that we want to pay to. Right. So that's why we're saying, I, I, I've said this before and I, I probably will always say it, rather err on the side of paranoia. Absolutely. Be paranoid yeah. Yeah. whenever I would say anybody receiving any communications mm. um, asking for bank account details to be changed Verify this by calling your – don't call the number that's on the communication that you've received. Please note this mm. because what they do is that they put their number on and they want you to call them. And obviously, if you're calling the criminal and saying, I just want to verify that you've changed your bank account, they're going to say yes. So don't use any detail, contact details provided in the communications you receive. Mm. Use the original details that you've actually um, acquired when you first started doing business. It's good advice. In the course of my forensic investigations, which is what I do quite often, um, I found that with, within a company, one of their staff members was crooked. So the staff member used... The, um, it changed the bank account detail to his personal bank yes. account, but the company's name was, was left. So ABC Stores with account number one two three was changed to ABC Stores uh, four five six, and four and five went, six belonged to the crook. And he got the and money. he got the money. Yep. That's in, that's fidelity problems. That's yes. with the internal. Yes. I guess there's nothing much um, we as a consumer can do if it Unfortunately happens. Unfortunately yeah. not. So what yeah. would happen is that obviously you know claim claims would be lodged and investigations yeah. will be done and the outcomes of the investigation will determine um, whether or not a person will be successful in getting back their money, but most often not. Not. Yeah. What What happens if, God forbid, we're a victim of this type of fraud? What do we do? Well, look, for one, mm-hmm. you, you should at least notify your bank. You, you need to report it to the police because it is actually monies that have been stolen from you. So there has yeah. been a crime uh, committed. It, it's always very difficult to investigate because a person opening the bank account would have done so using fraudulent information or even use somebody else's account, you know, as money mules. Um, somebody who would be a money mule and maybe even unknowingly being a money mule. Mm. So it's very difficult to catch the person. But you need to let your bank know so that the bank can at least flag that account yeah. uh, as well. And, um, and, 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 can the assets be freezed? <laughs> can you freeze assets? Well, if, well, well, if yeah. you, if you know who the person is, then yeah. of course the normal things kick in in law. Mm. Um, and of course criminal charges need to be in the asset forfeiture can be brought in. But, you know, I, I really would say to bank The horse is bolted very often. It, yeah. it, most mm. often. Most often, yeah. unfortunately. I think one's got to be very quick on that one if you're going to try and recover Absolutely. anything. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, Kalyani, uh, what else can we do to prevent becoming a victim? Anything special that you suggest? Well, well, you know, I just think really, like I said, an absolute not negotiable now is always verify when you get uh, a request. Make sure that you know somebody in the company. And when you're calling, don't just speak to any random person or somebody that just picks up the, the phone. Yeah. Make sure you speak to somebody you know. You've got to actually do that. These things are so and well so orchestrated absolutely. that uh, they've got a number with somebody sitting at the other yes. end yes. waiting to take a call and say everything's cool. Absolutely. So just make sure you talk to… So don't if, yeah, use any. That, the easiest yeah. way, don't use any any contact details on the communication you receive. Talk to somebody you actually know. 
um, look out, <coughs> protect your, your information if you're a business or even an individual. Keep your private information and your company information as secure as possible mm. because obviously the perpetrators have got hold of a list of debtors uh, and are communicating with them because they know they're going to be paying soon. So, you know, it's all those kind of things, information securities, cybersecurity, all these things need to be mind, you need to be mindful of, of at all times. There's a, a wealth of information on all the scams, the latest banking scams, fraudster activity. It's all their lines on Sabric, S-A-B-R-I-C dot C-A dot Z-A. The boss in studio today is Kalyani Pillay. Lines before we yeah, bid her farewell. Yeah. yeah, I just wanted to say thanks to her because the last time she actually spoke about us having to go through our uh, accounts. And God forbid, this week I found two debit orders which were actually not authorized. One was 99 and one was 125. And I was actually able to dispute that. And thank you very much for that information because most people don't, like myself, I actually never used to go through the statements. It's very yeah. important to do that. Yeah. This thank is uh, one in a series of discussions we've had with yes. Kalyani. I hope they continue in the future. Um, there's a lot of pod information on our podcast, which you can pick up on uh, the laws of life. You just look up uh, Sabric, and it's all there for you. So please take heed and be careful. What is your saying? Don't become a victim. Well, yeah. certainly don't become a, a, a victim of yeah. any of these, and just you know, stay safe. Um, be calm when you're uh, dealing with anything relating to your money. It's just yeah. you know the criminals are playing on your emotions. So you've yeah. got to try and remain calm. Take a deep breath and, and, and just try and be sensible about what you're doing. Absolutely. Kalyani Pele, Chief Executive Officer, South African Banking Risk Information Center. Sabrik, many thanks for this and we'll see you again. A pleasure, Gary and Lionel. Bye for now. Even as you go. Please note that the views expressed and the advice provided in this show are for general advice and entertainment purposes only. Nothing stated should be treated as a substitute for your own independent legal advice based on your own specific facts and objectives. Therefore, the presenter and CliffCentral.com accept no liability of any nature whatsoever, either expressed or implied. Law, like you've never heard it before. The Laws of Life with Gary Hertzberg on cliffcentral.com. I'm Gary Hertzberg and this is The Laws of Life on cliffcentral.com. Alongside me today, Lionel Makwokotlela. Welcome, Lions. Gary and good afternoon to all our podcasters and our guests today and this is the laws of life the show that really gives you the law in a very simple manner to understand yeah last week uh, we hosted Howard Dimbowski of the Justice Project South Africa on road traffic issues mm-hmm. and uh, lines our listeners really complained Indeed. Yeah, that they didn't get enough. (laughs) (laughs) Our listeners complained they didn't get enough. So we know that Howard has a sharp tongue and wicked sense of humor. His knowledge of road traffic issues is unsurpassed in this country, I believe. He's most appealing to our listeners. So we said, Howard, you better come back before they really complain. Mm -hmm. So uh, Howard is back and we back. The boys are back. The boys are back in town. On our last show with Howard, we answered some of the questions that were posted by members of our partner, our collaborative partner, Legal Talk South Africa. And uh, their Facebook membership is now, can you believe this, Lions, over 125,000 people. Wow. 
Wow. Uh, it, it goes up like a thousand a, a, a day or whatever. Yeah, now that's uh, great. That, the, the partnership is just amazing because this just really gives us more access to more people. And at the end of the day, we empower more people. And the more empowered people are, the better decisions they make. Absolutely, yeah. Lance. These are people that are constantly looking for legal advice. True. And uh, we give it to them. They write on the on the uh, Facebook page of uh, Legal Talk SA, and we give it the the more elaborate answers here on Cliff Central. Certainly. Excellent. Last week, if you didn't hear it, we dealt with Howard on Ghost Squad undercovered, unmarked VW Golfs driving around randomly, pulling people off the road in PE. Take a listen to that podcast. It has a whole lot of really information, great information on it, including uh, if you missed a court date and there's an arrest warrant um, out for you, what do you do? How would you mm-hmm. remember that one? It's all there for you uh, on, on last week's podcast. We're not going to repeat it now. Now, our email address, if you want to write to us, it's law at cliffcentral.com and our Facebook page, The Laws of Life with Gary Hertzberg. Lange, you want to give out the Twitter handle? The Twitter handle is at Hetzlaw, H-E-R-T-Z-L-A-W. Welcome, sir. Howard Dembowski, the man with a sharp tongue. <laughs> that, that is so politically correct. I just love it. And I'm not politically correct. Yeah, you absolutely uh, I don't. I pull a yeah. spade, a bulldozer. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, what can we say? Okay, so um, I saw on carte blanche on Sunday night, well done. It was a well done insert uh, about people, us motorists, getting pulled over by Officers informally and at roadblocks, and this is a topic topic that gets all our blood boiling because it's emotive and it's it can be harsh. <laughs> so I have <clears throat> for you, Howard, a whole bunch of questions, quite technical. But before we get to the technical questions about the difference between the various roadblocks, etc., give us an overview of what's going on out there with the officers pulling people off the road. Give us just yeah your view of it. Okay, well, um, being pulled over in a roadblock or a roadside stop or uh, just randomly by traffic police is a fact of life in, in South Africa, as it is in, in most countries. Um, the difference is with things like probable cause, as the, the Americans would call it, mm-hmm. um, and our much looser requirements in South Africa. Um, although... I say much looser requirements. Um, if you actually look at the constitution of the republic, you'll you'll see there are requirements actually quite stringent. But uh, after all, the constitution is just a little book that we ignore anyway. So most of uh, the time, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. The, 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 this is the very sad part of things. Mm-hmm. But in any event, um, I, I think that you know, to some people, uh, in, in fact, to a lot of people, being uh, pulled over by uh, police. Or traffic police is a frightening exercise because even if they're not bogus police, um, there've been so many instances of abusive behavior taking place and people getting beaten up and, um, their rights abused, et cetera, et cetera, that, um, you, you sit in the situation that a perfectly innocent person could look terribly guilty of something because they are so terrified mm. of abusive law enforcement officials. And, you know, ultimately, I, I think we should be appealing to our law enforcement officials to do their jobs within the framework of the law to remain respectful. They need to be taught how to interact with other human beings mm. um, because the fact is that the second that one starts getting aggressive, 
aggression breeds aggression, and the next thing you know, the situation spirals out of the control, uh, out of control, and invariably, it's the member of the public that comes off second best, because invariably, the members of the public. Are, don't have badges, don't have guns, don't have knuckle dusters, uh, don't have vehicles to throw people into the back of and um, take for rough rides, etc. So, um, you know, I, I think everybody has rights and everybody has responsibilities. And as long as you understand both of those and you understand the dynamics of them, mm. you can generally avoid situations turning abusive and i think that ultimately that should be the objective of every person out there we also need to remember that crime is a serious problem in south africa and you can sit and bitch and gripe around the bride tables dinner tables coffee tables etc about the high levels of crime in south africa Uh, but then simultaneously come and complain about law enforcement exercises. Uh, it, it just sounds like you're in conflict with, with yourself, actually. Um, so I'd like to urge people to be as co- cooperative as possible with law enforcement authorities, whether they're traffic police or the South African Police Service. Let's all get along. Let's all treat uh, one another with dignity. Respect is earned. Dignity is a right. So let's treat one another with dignity. Well, Howard, why are we afraid of being stopped and pulled over? What's, what's, why, why should the public be concerned about it? It's, it's, uh, you're entitled to be asked to show your driver's license. Um, yeah. Why? What, what is the concern? Is, yeah, yeah. You know, unfortunately, the good incidents that, that um, happen are not publicized um, and go viral as fervently as those where abuse takes place. Mm. I'll give you examples where it's caught on video that a person has been assaulted by police or by traffic police. Uh, Masia is a very good example of that, the taxi driver who was pulled and killed behind a, a SAPS vehicle. That went viral. And people are, are petrified of that kind of thing. Mm. You know, can you imagine having yourself handcuffed to the back of a, a police vehicle and dragged through the streets? Um, that plays on your mind. Yes. But we don't talk about um, the instances where police have seen a vehicle acting suspiciously, have turned on their blue lights, that vehicle tries to evade them, they stop that vehicle, and in that vehicle, uh, as happened recently, they find um, fully automatic assault rifles. They find unlicensed handguns. They find ammunition. They find plastic explosives. Mm. You know, that should be applauded. So we need to uh, try and get over the, uh, I don't want to call it an irrational fear because it is actually quite rational uh, because of the fact that things do Sometimes go wrong. Well, why, but there why, are things you can yeah. do to avoid them from going wrong. So, if if you if one is stopped, you come around a corner and there's a a metro car that's a police car that's waiting for you, and they stop you and they pull you over, and you know, can I see your license? And uh, you were talking on your cell phone, whatever. What's the fear there? Why why are we scared? We as are I we said, are scared. What what is it? As uh, I said, because people have seen this video fo- footage. Social media yes, can I mean, be a wonderful thing, Gary, yeah, yeah. but it can also be a very negative thing. They've seen 
this uh, this um, media that's gone viral of videos of people getting abused, and they automatically assume that the same thing's going to happen to them. They think that they know their rights, and they start to enforce those rights. Now, let me be very clear here. Yes, mm. the Constitution does enshrine your human rights. It also has limitations on those rights. So that's the first thing that you need to understand. But nowhere in the Constitution is any offense actually uh, stipulated in terms of the Constitution. So therefore, if a person abuses your human rights, you actually have to go to other um, means of, of prosecuting those violations. And that therein lies the problem. But, you know, it's all very well you know your rights. Okay, a traffic officer must be wearing a name tag, for example, over his his left uh, breast pocket. Sorry, okay. if he isn't, can I take a picture of it? And can I take a picture of him generally? You can take a picture of anybody standing in public. We had this discussion last week. Okay, yeah. the fact is uh, that no, you may. We, we, and yeah, there is, is nothing our, that yeah. prohibits you from taking a photograph of any law enforcement uh, official. Nothing whatsoever. Mm. So they're not special. They're not gods. They are not exempt from wearing seatbelts. They are not exempt from the laws which prohibit talking and driving on your uh, driving and talking on your cell phone. So if, if a, if a police sorry, so if a policeman smacks the cell phone out of my hands, he's acting unlawfully. You mm. you charge him with malicious injury to, uh, to property or malicious yep. damage to property and possibly assault as well. So if I if I'm pulled over, I take out my cell phone and I take a picture of the of of the of exactly what's going on right that's so, going to antagonize him uh, that's what i was so about not, to say yeah if you choose to escalate that situation yeah. then forgive me for saying it but you're a complete plonker absolutely factors yeah. cooperate until such time as it becomes clear yeah. that you are being abused okay if a, per, a traffic officer or a policeman says, I want to see your, your driver's license, mm. um, you're fully entitled to correct him and say it's actually called a driving license. But uh, in any event, show it to them. Yeah, well, we don't speak you're, the King's English are, either. It's, any it's, of us, so, yeah. it's not the King's English. It's the mm. law. Right. Um, and, <laughs> and I thought that was what this program was about. Yeah. Okay, there's no Most such the thing license. as a driver's license in South Africa. Yeah. Okay, but um, that, that's me. Yeah. Uh, I'm known You're a for stickler. being yeah, pedantic. Pedantic. Okay. So, the, but but the fact is, sorry, you've also show it to yeah, them. yeah. you've also been them. quoted that I think it was you on the SAPS uh, standing orders that an officer can't stay, uh, stop you from taking a picture of him. No, they may not. Yeah, that's no, even the not. South African police. Yes. Yeah. The fact is, there is no law which prohibits you from taking yeah. photographs, especially if those law enforcement officials are involved in the commission of a crime mm. and not wearing your name tag. Yes. If you're compelled to wear it and you're not wearing it, uh, if you're compelled by legislation to wear it and you're not wearing it, that constitutes an offense. It is a crime not to, to, to wear it. So, therefore, that person is involved in the commission of can a crime. A, can anyone ask you, one of these officers, to pay a spot fine there and then? Oh, absolutely not. And, and oh. this is the uh, – look – um, spot fine has become a popular uh, word for bribe. It's a euphemism for a bribe. Exactly. 
If exactly. I say, can I pay your spot fine, that means can I pay your bill? And it's been yeah. reinforced yeah. by the plonkers that run the Eastern Cape Provincial Traffic Department because they have now equipped traffic officers with speed points to take out with them, portable speed points to take credit card payments. For what? When they issue you with a fine. For there and then? Yeah, for there, for, for there for, and then. Okay, now, yeah. firstly, that's a complete violation. Is that really well, happening in the Eastern Cape? That's happening in right the Eastern now, Cape. Right now, as we talk. Right now. Wow, that's but the Eastern Cape is, is, is also this <laughs> wonderful um, area where uh, for several years, no Metro Police people were employed. There was a uh, Metro chi- uh, Police Chief, and she didn't employ any traffic officers. Mm. None at all. And then, all of a sudden, she went around and picked up people off the street and appointed them as peace officers without putting them through the requisite training and without uh, taking their fingerprints and running them for criminal records, etc., etc. You know, uh, this is why I think that that government and my organization and I are constantly at loggerheads because uh, we sit with a situation where... Everybody is equal before the law, but some people are more equal than others. Some of them get on planes at 10 to 1 in the morning and bugger (laughs) off out of the country after assaulting people. And, um, you know, that's perfectly okay with our government. But the fact is that... uh, You're not talking about Mrs. Mugabe. I I would never, ever (laughs) talk such disgraceful language. (laughs) Anyway, but the fact is is that, that laws... Uh, and I, I think that everybody needs to come to realize this the sooner they do. So the we better. were talking about spot okay. fines before you, but, but you laws, got excited. Yeah, laws are made <laughs> I love how it, for yeah. everybody yeah. to comply with, yeah. not just for certain individuals. Okay. Right. Now, traffic cops may not demand that you pay a so-called spot fine there and then. They can't do that. There's a lot of things that they actually well, what, can't so, do. Excuse me. What happens if there's a warrant for your arrest? You stopped at a roadblock and they say there's a warrant can you pay that or yes you can okay but at a formal cash receipt um facility that they have either at that roadblock or by taking you to the traffic department or whatever we all know that if you pay money without getting a receipt it's a bribe it's not a a formal receipt yeah absolutely well Uh, we all know that yeah um, Whether we carry it out or not is another thing. A receipt is uh, also considered by some people the lack of a, a traffic fund. Yes, That's a receipt. Or you may go is a receipt. Exactly. Yeah. You know, uh, but, but, but the fact is, no, they can't demand payment there and then. Mm-hmm. Um, if a warrant for your arrest has been issued, you are entitled to see a facsimile of that. And that facsimile, by the way, may be in the form of an SMS. Okay, so it, it has can been be. decided yeah. in, okay. in our courts. Yeah. So, um, you know, if, if you're told there's a warrant for your arrest, for goodness sake, don't resist arrest. Mm. That is really not a good idea because you are going to find yourself getting beaten up and um, finding yourself in, in serious trouble. Warrants for arrest yeah. offer contempt of court. Yeah. It means that you did not appear in court on a summons. That was served on Practically you. what happens, Howard, do they put you in the back of a van or yes. whatever they do? Yes. Once there's a warrant and they can show it to you either fax or on the yes. on their phones, SMS. Yes. yes. Okay. Comply with that. Goodness, you're absolutely and, right. And, yeah. but, but the, that warrant actually says 
And here's the part that actually, uh, it, it really grinds me. Warrants of arrest are issued by judicial officers because people did not appear in court. Yes. It says on that warrant, peace officer, go to Howard's house and arrest him and bring him before my court. What do these traffic departments do in South Africa? They wait, they wait at roadblocks. That's all they oh. do. They never go oh. to a person's home or business premises to arrest them. We've had multiple reports of hundreds of thousands of warrants of arrest sitting outstanding in a particular traffic authority. That should not be allowed. Howard, do the authorities know, we've we've just spoken about a warrant of arrest, that they do know. Do they know if there's unpaid fines that are owing by a person they've just stopped? Yeah, they do, if it's in their jurisdiction. Okay, so if I'm stopped in Joburg and I haven't paid fines there, they will know that? If you haven't paid fines in Joburg or Tony, they will, they will know it. Okay. And then what happens because to the what, Auto Act applies, what are yeah. their rights and what are my rights? Well, they can inform you of it. Okay. They can't arrest under, me for it? No, Nothing. There is no yeah. such thing as a warrant of arrest under the Auto Act. No yeah. such thing. Yeah. There's a warrant of execution, which in my view is even worse. Oh, well, that's another story okay. altogether. But, yeah. um, you know, we can have a separate uh, chat about L- Let's move on from sometime. Joburg and Pretoria. Okay. Let's say anywhere Let, in the let's country. Let's now talk about Bethel. Let's yeah. talk about Bella, Cape Town Bella. or let's Durban, Cape Town, where Ray Green, our founder of Legal Talk, is. Let's yeah. talk about all of these, these jurisdictions. The yeah. Criminal Act, uh, Procedure Act applies. Yeah. The Criminal Procedure Act has three different types of notice. The Section 341 notice, which is a notice for, of intent to prosecute, a Section 54 summons, which is issued after um, you've not responded to a notice of intention to prosecute, yeah. or a Section 56 written notice to appear in court, oh. which is issued to you by a traffic cop at the roadside. Now, the two latter documents, the Section 54 summons and the, and the Section 56 written notice, have a court date on them. They also generally have a date before which you may pay an admission of guilt fine. Yeah. Understand that under the Criminal Procedure Act, ev- each and every single charge is a criminal charge. Yeah. So if you choose to pay that admission of guilt fine, you are com- uh, considered to have been convicted by the court and uh, the clerk of the court must register your particulars in the criminal records book for admissions of guilt. Okay. Yes. So please, please understand. Okay. That. So just to get back to but summons, outstanding at the roadside. What yes. Do I, yeah. Well, if I don't a, have to pay, I just get informed, a, and that's it. If there's I a say, yeah. summons to appear in court, and the yeah. court date has not come yet. Yes. They can't. Well, thank they, you they very can't much. Do anything. Yeah. Thank you very much. I yeah, know there's a summons. Thanks for reminding me. It's yeah. been served on me. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Ta yeah. um, ta. Okay. <laughs> You know, am I free to go? And if they say no, then you contact Gary or one of his partners um, after your detention and you sue the pants off them for unlawful uh, detention and arrest. And you'll get it as well. You will get it. Okay. Howard, there's something else I want to talk to you about, and that's the cameras, speeding cameras in uh, Joburg. What's going on? What's the latest? Are there speeding cameras or speed cameras? No, 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 you know… it, uh, I thought I was actually quite clever. I thought I was quite clever. Well, you are, when yeah. I had journalists and I had uh, mates of mine uh, contacting me in early March this year saying, Howard, is it true that all of the contractors have been booted out of the JMPD and there's no more speed cameras? Mm. And I said to them, yes, but do me a favor. Shut up 
about it. Uh. I was going to say shut the something up about it, but in any, any event, okay. Um, and then all of a sudden, last week we had this uh, big alarmist uh, news report. No speed prosecution in Johannesburg. And, of course, we had former director, Gerry Gernicke, who was the king of finances at JMPD, uh, turning around and saying, it breaks his heart. Anyway, yes, well, it breaks my heart, too. <laughs> because you know what? Since the 1st of March, I have not noticed any significant change in the behavior of people on our roads with respect to speed. You would have thought with the withdrawal of all of these hidden speed cameras in the bushes, people would have gone boss and would have been driving around at breakneck speed everywhere. They weren't. Okay. Um, we ran a little, uh, a little poll. Have you noticed it? You know what? 80% of people said we've noticed no increase in speed. 20% of course came back and said, yes, we've seen it. Uh, they probably worked for TMT Services or Centel <laughs> or MVS Bumalelo. It's affecting the coffers of uh, the council. That's, that's no, it. it's uh, affecting the coffers of, of these private companies. I, d- I don't know why. Now, what percent do they we, take of a, of a ticket, uh, the private it's, it's not a percentage. Yeah, they get paid fixed fees for every single photograph that's prosecutable. Yes. They get paid for. Then every in- infringement notice that they generate from that photograph, they get paid for. Then... <laughs> For following up on it, they get paid for it. Mm. You know what? Mm. Go and have a look at the buildings that these entities occupy and come and tell me that traffic law enforcement uh, by camera is about road safety. You know what? My ass. It (laughs) is not. And I'll give you a a fantastic example. We saw a, a traffic officer hidden very nicely in the gum trees on the on the N14, um, taking happy snappies of people speeding. And um, went to him and said, now tell me something, what, what will you do if a vehicle comes tearing along here at 200 kilometers an hour? And he said, I'll take a photograph of it. Hmm. I said, that's fantastic. Hmm. So you will not contact your colleagues in law enforcement and say, there's someone driving at an idiot speed. On the three-way. No, he said. How can I do that? I haven't got a radio. I haven't got airtime on my cell phone. Mm. So how am I supposed to do it? It's all about the money. And that <laughs> is the problem. Now, when the story broke, we turned around and said, ah, you know, it's all very well you're trying to create this impression that there's no speed enforcement. JMPD traffic cops are out there with speed measuring equipment and they're stopping people at the time and issuing them with fines. And where they are exceeding the speed limit by breakneck speeds, they're arresting them. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to ask you a simple uh, question, Gary, or Lionel. Mm-hmm. Okay. In fact, let's ask you, Lionel, have you got kids? No, I don't. You don't? No. Have you, have you got a loved one? Yes, I do. Loved ones in your motor car with you? Yes. Gary who I happen to know has a bloody nice sports car, comes tearing at you at 220 k's an hour. Hmm. Do you want me to take a photograph and send him a love letter in the post? Or do you want me to arrest his ass? You must arrest Gary. Thank you. And his sport car. Exactly. Howard, I love that we could go on forever. Your examples, your analogies, everything's great. Just one last thing because we're running out of time again. The... What's the latest on the South African driver points demerit system? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he 
Is right. there a demerit system? No, it's not working. No, 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 no. no. All right. Um, very slyly on the 18th of, of this month, our Department of Transport published uh, the Auto Amendment Bill 2015 as amended by the Parliamentary Portfolio Committee on Transport um, on the government's website. Go and have a look at, at that. I think you will probably... Um, have a heart attack when you read the provisions in that they want to now completely exclude the courts from any of the processes. They want to establish a tribunal um, where, just for example, when you get issued an infringement notice under the Auto Act now, you have the opportunity to elect to be tried in court straight away if you want to. Okay, That has been taken away until such time as you've made an unsuccessful representation to a representations officer employed by the Road Traffic Infringement Agency, which makes its money from traffic fines. Mm. Okay, So obviously he's going to be impartial. And um, then... You must lodge an appeal with the tribunal that they want to now establish. But is this coming which in? Will is, then, is it in at the moment? This is what they are putting before Parliament. Okay, so okay. we. Yeah. This is what they. Whoa. They're yeah. putting this thing before Parliament. Okay, so okay. we can still comment. After on it. which? Yeah. No, you can't. Are we done? No, we're done. Long, long time <laughs> okay. ago, Brew. Yeah. You missed that boat a long time ago. I didn't ago. know there was okay. a boat. <laughs> Your boat came in and, and you were at the airport. <laughs> I was sleeping. But the yeah. fact is, yeah. okay, um, that. You, Sorry, I just have to ask you this. Does it mean that if there's a maximum number of points that uh, your driving that, license yeah, will be suspended, suspended and can be cancelled down the line? Can be cancelled. Uh, is because is, is, this has been on the cards for years. But for it's donkey's years. But they haven't rolled it out to the whole of South Africa. Yeah. Instead, they've had a so-called pilot phase, or as I like to call it, experiment, yeah. going on in Johannesburg and Twani for the past nine years. Yeah. Nine years, nearly a decade. Okay, for them to figure out that this thing's a mess, and then subsequently decide, no, it's a it's a great mess. We'll actually roll Are it out. Are they getting serious the to roll it out? Are they getting serious? Do you think national government wants this rolled out throughout the whole of South Africa? Yeah. They want to remove traffic fines from the Criminal Procedure Act and from the jurisdictions of the court and bring it into this uh, this situation where, when you make an appeal to that tribunal. You must pay a fee up front. Remember, you haven't been convicted of Jack. You must pay a fee for the tribunal to listen to your appeal. Hmm. Um, you, you, you know, obviously, that's incredibly constitutional. Okay, so the, Howard, this is coming out on podcast. We're going to advertise this. You are saying, as far as the driver points demerit system is concerned, we as the public must expect it to be rolled out? Uh, and I'm saying to you, yeah. watch this space. You mm. heard it here first. Hi-ho, hi-ho, <laughs> it's off to court we go. And I'm going to, you know you know what, we've tried really hard to reason with the Department of Transport, uh, to reason with the Parliamentary Portfolio Committee on this. And they come with this nonsense. Let's go and have this discussion in a court mm. where we can't get involved in mudslinging it one another. It's a very simple process. Here are the facts. Is Here is the Constitution. Yeah. And you know what, yeah. guys? Yeah. Get if you if if you really want to see me give them a hiding. Yeah. And I'm saying me because I'm talking about me. You want to see really see me give me a, uh, give them a hiding? Then come and join that application. 
Okay. And let's fund this thing. Let's go in there and hand them what they need to have handed to them hmm. in the concord because they just can't do this. This is Howard Dembovsky, Justice Project South Africa. You can Google him. He's all over the place. And uh, we'll join with you on this one. You can't take the power of the courts away ever mm. well, from anything. Well, you shouldn't from this. You know, you know uh, one of the comments that was actually uh, made by one of the members, the MPs, at the Parliament, uh, Parliamentary Portfolio Committee was, if a traffic cop gives you a fine, you must pay it. Oh. So I said to him, really? So if I'm driving along in my 2004 motor vehicle and I don't have a warning triangle and he gives me a fine for not carrying a warning triangle, I must pay it. And he said, yes. I said, but the law says that only vehicles first registered after, on or after the 1st of July 2006 must carry a warning triangle. But I'm guilty until I prove myself innocent in your eyes. That, I'm sorry, is totally, totally unacceptable. Okay, well, let's follow Howard Dembovsky. We'll follow you. Your Twitter handle is... Well, my Twitter ha- handle is, is H. Dembovsky, but... JPSA uh, org is the Twitter handle for for Justice Project South Africa. As I said, guys, it's time now. It's yeah, time cool. we, we we go and have this discussion in a forum. I would love having have you in studio. I, we just have another we have another insert that has got to follow you. Bye, bye. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you and so much. And to our listeners, thank you for listening to Howard. Uh, it's not easy, but it's pleasurable. No, Thanks. it's not easy. <laughs> and to some people, it's very displeasurable. It's been great, Howard. <laughs> Cheers till next time. Please note that the views expressed and the advice provided in this show are for general advice and entertainment purposes only. Nothing stated should be treated as a substitute for your own independent legal advice based on your own specific facts and objectives. Therefore, the presenter and CliffCentral.com accept no liability of any nature whatsoever, either expressed or implied. Law, like you've never heard it before. The Laws of Life. With Gary Hertzberg on CliffCentral.com. Presenting the Attorney's Fidelity Fund and the Attorney's Insurance Indemnity Fund on CliffCentral.com. Your champions in the legal profession. Sambunani, I'm Gary Hertzberg and this is the Laws of Life on CliffCentral.com. This is a further show in the series of shows in which we introduce the Attorney's Fidelity Fund and the Attorney's Insurance Indemnity Fund. And the goal of these two shows is to increase the awareness of the services provided by these organizations and how they serve and protect you. The two funds you will hear are also committed to ensuring the acceleration of growth in the legal fraternity. I'd like to introduce you once again to the Chief Executive Officer of the Attorney's Fidelity Fund, Mr. Motlatsi Molefe. Welcome to you, sir. Thank you, Gara. And uh, the Managing Director, Attorney's Indemnity F- Insurance Fund, Mr. Sipombele. Welcome, sir. Siabonga, Baba. Cool. Gentlemen, in our last show, uh, we discussed both the two funds and how they differ. I think I'd like to take that a little further. Um, if you wouldn't mind, Sipo, let me jump in with you there. Tell us the difference between the two, the Attorney's Fidelity Fund and the Attorney's Insurance Indemnity Fund. Gary, the 
the insurance indemnity fund really covers uh, malpractice. In other words, if a practitioner uh, makes a mistake of one form or the other, as long as that mistake it is is actually in the conduct of the law. Um, and in that case, then if a member of the public wishes to sue that um, attorney through another attorney, then the, it is the P, it is PI that's involved, and it is the attorney's uh, insurance indemnity fund that is involved. Um, if a, if an attorney uh, misappropriates, or maybe to put it more directly, if he steals uh, trust funds that belong to the public, it is in that case that uh, the fidelity fund is actually involved. So we are involved in PI, and the attorney's fidelity fund is involved in theft. Mr. Molefe, it's a rather sad indictment on us lawyers, and uh, we, you're a lawyer as well, and I'm a lawyer, and I get very sad when I see that there are lawyers that run off with trust money. Um, the question to you, sir, is what should the public look out for when acquiring the services of a lawyer? I think uh, the starting point is to understand whether or not the attorney is in possession of a valid Fidelity Fund certificate mm -hmm. for the year in question at the time when he approaches the attorney. That's key, because if an attorney is able to produce one, at the very least, it says at the time when it was issued, he was in good standing with the law society, and it is issued purely because his books have been audited and found to be in order. So that is a very, very key element in, 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 in dealing with. But I also think from the perspective of, 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 of the nature and type of transaction that the mandate of the attorney is going to be, the issue of insurance ought to arise. Because whichever way you want to look at it, you do not want to be left out of pocket. You cannot, for instance, provide an attorney with an instruction to actually deal with, say, monies in excess of 10 million rands, when the limit that is associated with us at the AWF for payment is just around 3.25 million rands. Mm -hmm. So those are two key components that I think people need to be aware of, and that is why this entire need for the service that we provide has to be made as widely known as is possible. Absolutely. The beauty of these two funds is that they, in effect, support both the attorneys and the consumers. Uh, so that's the a big advantage of this, Sipo. Yeah. And, and it is. Um, and just adding a little bit in terms of the issue of the Fidelity Fund Certificate, in the case of the AIIF, actually we are saying even if a lawyer may technically at that point not be having a valid fidelity fund certificate, but is supposed to have one. And there are many such instances you could find, for example, um, a person has not renewed their certificate yet and it's the beginning of the following year, etc., etc. What is important for the public is that they must know that their claim is not going to be repudiated on those grounds because this uh, the 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 practitioner involved is supposed to have a 
a, 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 a valid fidelity fund certificate, even if at that point it's not, uh, it's not, uh, val- it's not in, in, in action. My question to both of you, if I want to check whether my attorney or my prospective attorney has a valid certificate, fidelity fund, I call who? Well, Gary, the, the, the position in which we find ourselves today is that the people that can almost immediately give you that information, at least until the recent past, have been the law societies. Yes. Now, in the last two years or so, at the Fidelity Fund, we actually digitized the applications for Fidelity Fund certificates. Mm-hmm. So in essence, that's information that is public. People can call us, and we should be able to say to them, yes, there is a Fidelity Fund certificate. It is valid. Or we would be able to say, no, he doesn't have a Fidelity Fund certificate. And in fact, I would encourage people, as I say, to, to ask. To do that, yes. To ask. Yes. But they don't know, sir. That's the problem. That's why we're trying to get this message out. They don't know that an attorney should have a fidelity fund certificate. That's mm, that's mm. the beauty of this. That's essentially the point. Yeah. Yes. Just on that point, do you believe that legal services are accessible to to our public at large? I'm not talking about the city people. I'm talking about everybody in, the, in wherever they may be, rural areas. Are lawyers available, accessible? They are, Gary. That's my, 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 my own empirical finding. I wrote a paper on, on regulation of, of, of the legal profession. Yes. And, and, and one of the things that I did was research throughout the country, stratified research. And it became very clear to me that people do have access to legal services throughout the country. The key thing we should always be careful about, though, is we should not be beginning to provide new barriers of entry either into the profession by legal practitioners or making it too expensive for members of the public themselves to actually approach um, legal practitioners. But it's also very important to bear in mind that uh, the new system on legal aid in the country is, is, is far and wide. And it's it's in the form of practice in the sense of the justice centers where they seem to do almost a whole lot of the things that people do in their own private practices, so to speak. Sipo, for a lawyer starting out, does he have to pay anything to get his fidelity fund and his insurance from you guys? Um, as we've said um, in, in last week's uh, session, Gary, yeah. uh, for, the, for the insurance, he actually doesn't have to. The only thing that the lawyer needs to do is to ensure that they pay for the fidelity fund certificate, which entitles them to practice. And when that has happened, then they automatically qualify for the, for the cover of the insurance and indeed the, the cover by the fidelity fund. Actually, to answer if I might interrupt, um, the fee is payable to the law societies, and over a period of time, for as long as I could remember, it was just about 50 rands, and I think we lifted it to about 2,000 rands some two years or so ago. So that's all they need It's a small price to pay. It's a small price to pay. And it's fundamentally because of the fund actually subsidizing a whole lot of that, as it were. And and if I could come in here... um, you know, for, for that 2,000 rands, 
what is happening is that the, the attorney receives protection for um, theft of trust monies, but he also received um, a protection of professional indemnity. Yeah. And now that's only for 2,000 rents. He could lose his well, house if he, it wasn't for you. Yes, you if know. He, if, he, if he makes a mistake and he's negligent, someone sues him, and he, he goes, there goes his house if he's a small-time attorney. And uh, Indeed, you, you that is the him. case. Yeah. Um, um, but more importantly, if you look at the, the cost of professional indemnity for other professions, this is still the most cost-effective uh, professional indemnity cover in the country and in many parts of the world, as comparatively speaking. Gents, uh, if I may end off with something very beautiful, and uh, Mr. Molefi, you gave a talk to the General Meeting of Black Lawyers Association, wonderful organization, in which you said, and I'm going to summarize it, uh, you said, quote, accountability is not about being seen to discipline those amongst us for miscreant behavior, which is which is illegal or wrongful behavior. Yeah. It is far wider than that. It is also about ensuring that our clients are appraised of their rights vis-a-vis ourselves in relation to the mandates they give us. It is about the trust and respect we should show to them before they can even begin to imagine we are human after all and reciprocate this. Lovely. Do you want to, uh, Sipo or Mr. Mulefi, which, who wants to take this one? It's just a statement you made, but I found it so, so powerful that I'd like you just to elucidate a little on. I think the essence of what I'm saying is accountability is premised on transparency. The fact that a client approaches me as a professional puts an obligation on me to inform him of his rights vis-a-vis myself. Yes. If I do wrong, you have the option to do this and that and that so that you're not left out of pocket. That festers in my mind the spirit of trust between the two. Unlike simply saying, I will do it, and when things go wrong, the client has no idea what to do in the very first place. So how can I be respected if I do not tell the truth up front? about what their rights are. That's the point I'm making. Absolutely. Sipo, you want to take and, that? And I would say, in addition, um, one of the things that uh, members of the public often forget is that in that relationship, uh, that is the relationship between the attorney and themselves, they are the client. And you're approaching the professional because you, there's some information you don't know don't be afraid to ask questions. And secondly, be assertive and remember you are the client. Excellent. Love this. Love the show very much, gents. Thank you very much. We're going to take on many more shows in this process and try and get the word out to the public and the lawyers that we're there behind them. And that's what they should know. Many thanks to you, Yabonga Gakulu, once again. And we'll see you again, I hope. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. This is CliffCentral.com.